Good morning. Welcome to the Bay Area Church of Christ. It's great to have you here this morning from the comfort of your own home, I'm assuming. Um, we are here this morning getting ready to kick off for a wonderful morning of spending some time in worship and really just uh, taking a break from our lives to make sure that we give homage and that we, we glorify our God who's been so good to us. And speaking of good news, we've got some announcements this morning. Uh, Clifford Lerman, who is Miss Lenora's son that we've been praying about, is home from the hospital which is certainly an answer to prayer um, and certainly good news for all of us to hear this morning. Uh, we want to continue to pray for Clifford just as in his uh, continued healing, but uh, certainly great news on that front. Um, also, there was a scare this week. Uh, Daryl Alderman's brother, Kevin, uh, had a, a little bit of a health scare. Um, they believe that this is now uh, just related to stress, uh, and so we know the Alderman family's been going through a lot. We want to uh, certainly uh, pray for Kevin and pray for the Alderman family as they continue to mourn the loss of their patriarch, their father. But I'm um, glad that there wasn't something more serious in this specific instance. So uh, let's keep uh, Kevin in our prayers, but glad that that wasn't something more serious. Um, we do have some, some folks and some people in our family we do need to be keeping uh, a little bit more elevated in prayer this morning. Uh, the first of which is uh, our brother Phil Humphrey has now tested positive for COVID-19. Um, he is, you know, away from us in Utah right now and quarantined, um, and I, I don't believe that his uh, health has taken too much of an impact right now, but certainly he's dealing with uh, having COVID-19 now, and we want God to act in a powerful way to keep him safe and healthy there. Um, also, uh, Floris Calixte, Margella and Magda's mother, is now home from uh, suffering from COVID herself, uh, and, and her father as well, who is also tested positive, are now quarantined together. Um, again, uh, the, the health is, uh, is, is not deteriorated to, to the level we've seen some people who are dealing with COVID, but certainly we want to keep them in our prayers uh, and make sure that uh, God continues to give healing and help through there. Um, our sister Kim Crompton is dealing with some heart issues, and we want to make sure we keep her on our prayer list. Uh, Gloria Wiley's sister, Tina Evans, passed away last week, and so we want to make sure that we're praying for Gloria's family, uh, for Gloria as well, as they're suffering during this time, uh, that you can give, that, that God will give them a, a peace that passes our understanding, and, and just pray to be, the, be with that family. Um, on a happier note, we've got some birthdays and anniversaries this week that we're going to run through. Um, Talia Ravenel is going to be having a birthday, Chantel Davis. Keith Starks, George Klein, Joan Bruce, Bill Burkett, Daryl Bagley, Alex Bruce, and our own Harry McKay. We'll all be turning a year older this week, so you know, make a note of, of reaching out to those folks this week and wishing them a happy birthday. And then uh, Art and Deb Baker are going to be having an anniversary this week as well, which is certainly worth celebrating for all of us. A uh, couple few reminders we've got here this morning before we get started. Uh, we've got two virtual baby showers coming up to celebrate in August. Um, well, well, there'll be August arrivals, that is. Uh, Richard and Leanne Payne are registered at Target and Amazon, and Caleb and Prisca Crawl are registered on Amazon. So we want to make sure that we're preparing to get those families ready for, uh, for the pitter-patter of little feet. 
The food pantry is open every Sunday from noon to 1 p.m. If you or anybody that you know needs help with a hand up, uh, needs help putting food on the table, please take us up on that. We've got some very dedicated brothers and sisters here uh, working with that ministry to make sure that we're able to provide to people the most basic of needs during this time. And when there are a lot of people suffering, we want to make sure that we make it known that there are some, some efforts to help those who are in need right now. So if you are in need of food, come here to the, to the building uh, today, Sunday, from noon to 1, and we can help you out with those needs. Uh, the team number three that is uh, working to feed the homeless ministry on each third Saturday. So uh, we've, we've got some people working here at the church, the homeless ministry, feeding folks. Um, team number three, that, that is the third Saturday of the month, needs three new volunteer members. Um, and that is certainly a ministry that we need to keep up. If you want to help in any way to help out these folks, please contact either Dwayne Peterson, George Barlow, or Ed Jean-Pierre. Um, get a hold of, uh, of them through uh, looking through the member directory or call the office here. Uh, but this is a ministry that is in need of some folks to get active and to help out. And if you are able to do that during this time, please, uh, please take the opportunity to step up and fill that role. Um, small groups are meeting throughout the week. Uh, certainly we all seem to feel uh, separated and apart during this time. If you're not taking the advantage of being involved in a small group, you're really missing out. And so we would encourage you to take the time to uh, reach out to the office, reach out online, find a small group to try out this week. Uh, there are certainly plenty that will be taking place. Uh, get involved. It's, it's really uplifting and great to be able to spend some time with our brothers and sisters, even when we can't be together, just digitally to get together for a little bit and to be able to, to fellowship together. Uh, the youth group is, uh, is separated but also doing a lot together uh, as much as they can. They'll be having Bible class as they do every Sunday today at noon, uh, just after worship. So if you're in the youth group, go ahead and uh, as soon as we finish up here, grab something to eat real quick and then jump on Zoom with Robbie and the rest of the crew. Uh, Robbie's put together some really great programs for you guys uh, and for our children here at, at, uh, at Bay Area that uh, they won't want to miss out on. So that'll be happening today at noon and also it happens on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. So if you're in the youth group and you're not taking advantage of that, you really ought to try to check it out. Uh, Robbie's doing a lot of great work uh, to make sure that uh, our kids are continuing to grow in this time of separation. And so uh, let's try to get involved with that as well. And on Faith Lane, there's going to be some Zoom meetings for you kids this week too. Uh, check your calendars, but Tuesday from 1030, the third to sixth graders are going to have a show and tell project uh, with Miss Angie on Zoom. And on Thursday at 1030, uh, they'll be doing a show and tell for the kindergartners to the second graders. And uh, these are a lot of fun. For you guys that did the, uh, the Skittle Challenge uh, scavenger hunt last go around, uh, you know that there's some rewards in it for you if you uh, participate and do well. So Miss Angie's putting together a lot of stuff to try to, to have fun with you guys, even though we can't be together. Uh, so be prepared and, and uh, get ready for a good show and tell project over Zoom. We don't have a missions update this week, but certainly we know that uh, all throughout the world people are hurting and, and the people we're supporting in other countries uh, certainly covet and need our prayers as well. So before we get started this morning, we're going to, to have a great time in worship. We're going to do some singing. 
We're going to lift our Lord up. We are going to partake of the Lord's Supper, and we're going to hear a great lesson from God's Word. Uh, before we do that, we're going to shift gears right now, and we are going to say a short prayer, uh, and then that will be followed by a short video that's been prepared as well. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, even though we are apart, and know that wherever we are right now, we are in your church. That as we bow our heads, we are standing before your throne as your children. And what an amazing and, and awesome thing that is. Father, we thank you for being a God who loves us. We thank you for being a God who is worthy of adoration and praise, Lord. And we thank you for being a God who is just. Lord, there are a lot of people in our body and across this world who are hurting. Father, we pray that you will be with them, that you will guide all of our hearts and minds. Help us to be blessings to each other to be blessings to this world, and to remember that although we are here now, this world is not our home, and you've called us for something greater. Father, help us to focus on you, to live lives that are as close as possible to the example you gave us in your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name this morning that we pray. Amen. Now we'll watch a short video. Good morning. We've got some songs prepared for you. I hope you will join in with us uh, from the house there and sing with us. If you tuned in to Tim's class on Wednesday night, you know that he talked about blessings and counting our blessings. And of course, it made me think of this song. And I was a little bit chagrined because why haven't we been singing this song all along? Because after all, we're told in Philippians to be anxious about nothing, but to be thankful in everything. We live in a world that switched that around. We're anxious about everything, and we forgot all the blessings that we have. So hopefully this song will help us to remember some of those, and this week uh, you can spend some time counting your blessings. 
Went up on Las Villas. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with the load of care? Does the cross seem heavy? You are called to bear. Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So conflict, whether great or small. Do not be discouraged, God is, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. I sing a simple song of love to my Savior, to my Jesus. I'm grateful for the things you've done, my loving Savior, oh precious Jesus. My to my 
my Savior, to my Jesus. I'm grateful for the things you've done, my loving Savior, oh, precious Jesus. My heart is glad that you call me your own, and there's no place I'd rather be.
share in communion and uh, Paul Lickman's going to come and share some thoughts with us before he comes we're going to sing Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone Must Jesus Bear the Oh. 
Uh, good morning, church. Uh, every time I'm asked to come up here and lead some thoughts, it's always a challenge. And, um, and I was telling a brother out in the lobby, a lot of times I'm getting my words down as I'm coming up here because there's so many things to think about and what can you say. And uh, this morning I, I just want to share, I don't know if you struggle with some things, but I do often when we take communion. Because if you've been a Christian, particularly for a while, you've done this lots of times, hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. And the challenge that comes with it is here's the time we're to remember the love of God, Jesus, the sacrifice on the cross for us. And we've done it so many times that sometimes we can come in here and it becomes routine. We do it kind of going through the motions without really thinking about it. And uh, I remember I've shared before learning to drive a car, learning to drive a stick shift. And at first I had to really concentrate. You know, you had to do the clutch and the, you know, and the whole deal. And it was tough. But after you do it a while, you get it down. You do it without thinking about it. And there's a lot of things in life like that, that the more you do it, you, you don't have to concentrate so hard. And that's good. But this isn't one of the times. This isn't the time to come in and go on autopilot. And I really want to encourage myself and you to think about it. Because sometimes we hear the love of God. We hear that he died on the cross. And it kind of becomes familiar. And it becomes casual. Almost blasé. And it shouldn't be. Tim shared last week in the lesson that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And he said, what I received, I, I shared with you. And at first importance, that Jesus died for our sins. I mean... This is the critical part of the gospel, the love of God dying for us. And it shouldn't be casual, but sometimes in life it is because we get caught up in so many other things. And I realized I need to focus on the love of God, not just during communion, but every day to really think about it. And I think there's some other challenges we have. When we think about God loving us, we begin to doubt it a little bit. I don't know if you're like me, because sometimes I start thinking about my own life and I realize all the flaws, all the sins, all the mistakes, all the stumbles, and I'm older and I've been around. I should be much better than this. I should be further ahead. Can God really love someone like me? And I begin to doubt that a little bit. Or maybe we look around and we look at our circumstances and we say, gee, if God really loved me, why isn't my life going better? You know, why the challenges? Why is my relationship breaking up? Why is I'm having problems at work or I'm out of work or all these financial issues or health issues? If this is happening, why isn't, why, you know, why isn't going better? But I have to remind myself, and I, I want to remind us this morning, when you're sitting here, this is a time to concentrate on the love of God. And we need to remember that the cross is critical. It's the core. It demonstrates the love of God. And Romans 5, 8 says it, says it very well. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I have to remind myself, Christ didn't die for us, for me, for you, because we're so wonderful. We're so lovable. He died for us while we were still sinners. And I need to remember, too, my circumstances or going through tough times is not an indicator that maybe God doesn't really love me. Jesus reminded us and told us, told his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. 
And I just want to encourage myself and you that going through this to really think about it. And what we think about right now at communion, we should be thinking about every day. It shouldn't be just remembering Jesus' sacrifice these few minutes on Sunday, but every day. And I want to just share just a quick section out of Ephesians 3. Paul, when he writes the letter to the Ephesians, he has some, some different prayers in there. And in chapter 3, in the second half of verse 17, his prayer, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And I got thinking, boy, that needs to be foundational in my prayer life. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm praying for you guys that you will have the power to get it, to really grasp the enormity of the love of Christ. And I struggle with that sometimes. And I think we make it blasé. We begin to doubt God's love. And I want to get that more and more in my prayer life, to really pray that I can get it. Because sometimes I think I don't get it. And I just want to encourage us as we remember and think about the sacrifice right now as we get ready to share in the communion together, to think about the love of God and to look at that prayer that, that Paul prayed for those Ephesian Christians. And that needs to be my prayer and, and your prayer as well. Will you join me to pray together as we get ready to share in the, in, in the cup and the, and the bread? Heavenly Father, we're just grateful that you love us. Father, sometimes we, we admit we don't get it, uh, but your love is amazing, and it's not based on us and how wonderful we are because we stumble and bumble constantly. But Father, help us to remember you demonstrated your love for us in Jesus coming to the cross and paying the price for our sins. And Father, we just pray that we'll get it more and more and help us to pray more and more that we'll have the power to truly grasp that. And we pray now, fathers, we share together in the bread and this cup that we can think about these things and be encouraged. And, Father, we're just thankful. And, Father, as always, we pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. This is normally the time when we all meet together, we'd be passing the trays and, and sharing together in the contribution and, and giving back to God. 
And I'd just like you to look at real quickly a verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He calls us, he says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And a couple of things there, he calls us to be imitators of God, and notice he says, as dearly loved children. There's the foundation, there's our motivation, that we are dearly loved, even sometimes when we don't feel it, we're dearly loved. And he says to do it just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. And you think about a lot of different ways to give, but when we give financially, Hopefully we're thinking about how much God has given to us, how much God loves us, and we can give back. And it was interesting because I was thinking about something, and they played that video about the community feedings. And um, I think it was last month, uh, our group was up here, and, and we were doing the feeding, and it was winding down, and I'd gone back into the kitchen. And there was a lady that had come. She comes fairly regular. Sometimes she walks up, sometimes she rides a bike, and she'd come up on her bicycle this week. And I was in the kitchen, and I came out, and apparently I was oblivious to it, but she had taken a fall and really scraped up her leg pretty badly and had some abrasions and was bleeding. And uh, I came out, and the sister in our group was kneeling down on the ground with a pail of water, washing this lady's leg and her abrasions. And she had some antiseptic stuff in her purse and was cleaning her wounds and directing a brother to run into the building that we had a, uh, uh, a first aid kit. And uh, brother came back, and, and here she is cleaning this lady's, you know, wounds and bandaging her up. And I was sitting there observing it, you know, and I was oblivious to it. And uh, it really hit me. And it was like I was seeing Ephesians 5, 1 in action because... As this sister was cleaning this lady's leg and bandaging her up, she was talking with her, and she was doing it with such love and kindness. It, it, it was really amazing. And it hit me in two ways. It was like, it was really encouraging to see that, but it really challenged me because I thought, man, that wasn't even on my radar screen. I wasn't even aware she was hurt. And even if I was, I would have probably thought, boy, you need to, when you get home, you need to take care of that. And here was a sister down, stooped down, taking care of this woman, giving back and doing it with such love. It, it was really encouraging. And we have that opportunity all the time. And I think the more I pray that prayer in Ephesians 3 and focus on how much God really loves me, that maybe will help me do a little better loving other people and being more aware. And I just want to encourage us as we think about giving, whether it's our money, our time, whatever, to remember just how much God loves us. Let's pray, please. Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your blessings. We thank you for the way that you give to us in so many ways. And, Father, the ultimate gift of your Son on the cross for us. And, Father, we pray that we have so many opportunities to give of our time and our service and our money. And we just pray that we can do so with a loving heart, that we can be imitators of you. And the more we focus on how much you love us, we can truly strive to live a life of love. And Father, again, we thank you and we pray this in the name of your Son. Amen.
few more songs before Tim comes and uh, gives us a, a message this morning. If you've been outside at all in the last few days or few weeks, and you've really done anything, cut the grass, walked around the block, you understand the image of a deer panting for water. Okay? And we need to pant and hunger and thirst uh, for righteousness and the right things, and as we sing about as the deer from Psalms. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Okay, we started out this morning talking about blessings. One of the things that happens when you start counting your blessings is your joy rises. And so I want, I want you to do a couple of things for me now. First of all, if you've got kids in the room, get them up front and let them lead this for you. And here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to find somebody in the room and look them right in the eye and try not to smile. Go ahead. Do it. You can't do it. We have been created to be joyful. And when we count our blessings, when we understand how much God has really blessed us, we can't help. Peter calls it, he says, that great and inexpressible joy that arises from us understanding how much that God has done for us. Let's sing, I got the joy, joy, joy. It's not just a kid's song. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart today. I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart today, I got the wonderful love my blessed redeemer without on the dust of my heart. Where? Without on the dust of my heart. Where? Without on the dust of my heart, I got the wonderful love my blessed redeemer without on the dust of my heart. Where? Without on the dust of my heart today, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. Sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack and stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I got the love of Jesus in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart today. Okay, I think we got an extra slide in there. All right. Next song. All right, this one may be a little bit of a new one to you. Beautiful song. Tyrone's going to lead it off for us here. It's The Mountains Surround Jerusalem. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Surrounds his people. 
after this next song as we sing Firm Foundation.
Hey, good morning. Glad that you are with us. Uh, we're back here meeting virtually, but we're meeting just the same. Thanks to the singers for all that, uh, all those good songs and the energy. And uh, I haven't said it in several weeks, but you need to know, you never see them, but Matt and Trex have been here every single week sitting back there in the sound booth, putting it all together, haven't missed a beat. They get here early, they stay late. So thanks guys for making that happen. Um, glad you're with us this morning. You actually, you picked a good day to be here, by the way. We are beginning a new sermon series. Um, we're going to be talking about some aha moments in Scripture. You know, the, uh, the old saying, what you don't know can't hurt you. Actually, there are some things that can hurt us if we don't know them, especially when we're talking about God. So we're going to be looking at some truths that sort of lead to some aha moments. And to get us thinking in that vein, I, I went on the internet to see if I could find some pictures of people experiencing aha moments. I found uh, several thousand of them. <laughs> Let me share with you just a couple of people experiencing aha moments. Here you go. That moment when you figured out the difference between a marker and a permanent marker. And of course, every parent has a picture of their kid looking something like that. How about this one? That awkward moment when your older sister is driving the car. That aha moment when you realize they've entrusted you with someone who can't be trusted. And uh, some fear there. Here you go. I like this one. That moment when you realize they weren't waving at you. <laughs> I love that little girl's face. A giant smile turns into a, uh, you know, kind of an embarrassed grin. She's trying to play it off cool. She's trying to bring her hand down. But yeah, they weren't waving at me. Or that moment when you're trying to explain knock-knock jokes to your kid. Now you're hoping that they will have an aha moment. I'm the one who knocks, but it takes a long time for them to get it. Here's another aha moment that a lot of you can relate to. The moment he realized he was now the middle child. <laughs> Take a look at the kid in the green there, yeah. His life as he has known it is now over. He's not the oldest, he's not the youngest, he's on his own, his parents are going to forget his name, it's, it's all downhill from here. And then finally, and man, I can relate to this one, that awkward moment in an exam when everyone else is using a ruler and you have no idea why. <laughs> I love the look on that guy's face because I know that panic. I know the panic of looking around and realizing everyone here knows something that I don't know and I have no idea what it is that they know that I don't know. Yeah, those aha moments. Those moments in our lives when we come face to face with a truth, with a reality, either we, we didn't know or maybe just a truth that we've kind of forgotten. You know, maybe it's a truth that we've, we've set aside. Maybe we've just sort of ignored it because it's gotten lost in all the noise of the rest of our lives. But a truth that we're confronted with and we're sort of forced to look at it again and, or maybe in a brand new way. You know, sometimes it's a truth that we've never heard before. 
someone introduces some very new information to us and immediately and, and intuitively we understand, okay, this is real and this is true and we're going to have to deal with this truth. We're going to have to react to this truth. Sometimes it's a truth that intellectually we know, but it just interferes with our lifestyle. It gets in the way of how I want to live. And so I just kind of push it aside. I know it's true, but I don't want to think about it because if I think about it and if I recognize it, then I might have to change the way I'm living. And I kind of like the way I'm living. So I'm going to ignore that truth. Uh, maybe it's a truth we just lost sight of. We've just gotten so busy that we just don't have time to think about it anymore. You know, we're so consumed with the rest of life that, that yeah, we've just set it aside. And uh, we've kind of forgotten about it. We believe it. We know it's true. It just hasn't affected the way we've lived our lives in quite a while. And then, of course, there are some truths that we just really don't want to know. We just don't want to hear it. You know, you parents, all of us, we would really rather not be confronted with the truth that our children aren't as wonderful as we have always imagined them to be, right? I mean, someone hears something, someone sees them do something, you get a call from a teacher, you get a call from a coach, a neighbor says something, and you're like, no, I don't want to hear that. Please, don't even mention that. I, I'm, I don't want to hear that truth. Just let me live with the delusion that my children are perfect, that my children are wonderful. Or, or maybe it's a thing in your marriage. You know, maybe there's some red flags showing up in your marriage, but no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to have to deal with that. Now, maybe she's not as committed as you thought she was, or maybe he's not as dedicated as you thought he was. But no, please, don't tell me that. Just, just let me keep believing that everything's okay, because if I don't deal with it, then I won't change anything. Or maybe it's a health thing. Maybe you're one of those people that just never go to the doctor because you're sort of afraid what the doctor might tell you. Maybe you've got some family history in a situation where you know you ought to stay on top of it. Or maybe there's something kind of going on in your life and your health. You're like, man, something's just a little bit off, but I really don't want to know. And I'm not going to go see the doctor because if I don't see him, he's not going to give me bad news and maybe it'll just fix itself. Maybe if I just deny it, it won't really matter. There's all kinds of examples of instances when we just choose to ignore something that we know is true. We know it's not rational, okay? We understand it doesn't make sense. But there's something in us, I think, that when we're confronted with a truth that doesn't line up with the way we've been living our lives, we want to say, eh, I'm going to pass on digging into that. Yeah, I don't want to think about that right now. Um, maybe if I ignore the truth long enough, it'll no longer be true. Maybe if I ignore the facts long enough, maybe they'll no longer be facts. And you know as well as I do, there are times when it's a whole lot easier just to believe in my version of the truth 
than it is to deal with the truth. Again, we know it's not rational. We wouldn't let someone else get away with it. We wouldn't let our kids get away with it. We don't let our spouse get away with it. But if I just can ignore reality long enough, maybe it won't be reality. Just let me believe that everything's okay. Now, here's where we're going the next couple of weeks in this series. Just as it is dangerous to ignore the truth about your children, just as it is dangerous to ignore the truth about your marriage, just as it is dangerous to ignore the truth about your own health, it is even more dangerous to ignore the truth about God. To turn a blind eye to what's true about God leads to devastating consequences. And here's something that I think is probably true for all of us on some level. We all have sort of created the God that we want Him to be. Now, I heard someone say long ago that God created mankind in His own image and we've been returning the favor ever since. And I think that's true. We sort of have this image of God, this picture of God that we're very comfortable with, and that's sort of where we want Him to stay. I know that's true for me. I bet it's true for you as well. Now, I know that I'm guilty of having this vision of who I believe God to be, and when someone else confronts me with some teaching or some passage that doesn't line up with my image of God, I'm a little bit standoffish about that. Yeah, I don't really want to think about that because I'm pretty comfortable with the God that I've created. Uh, just let me go ahead and share with you some uh, characteristics of the God that I've created. This is sort of God according to Tim. For instance, first, God's not going to allow anything to happen to me physically. He's just not. Me, my family, we are like, our, our physical protection is like God's number one concern. Of all the things that God has to deal with, my personal physical protection and that of my family, that's number one on his list. Number two, God's not going to allow anything to happen to me financially. He's just not. I have tithed all my life. I am financially invested in this thing. Me and God, we've got a deal. He's not going to let anything happen to my finances. Now, other people lose their jobs. Other people have financial struggles, but not me. God's not going to let that happen to me. And here's another thing that, that, that's true of my God. My God is going to ensure that my children live happy, fulfilling, faithful lives. Because after all, that's what me and Martha have prayed about for decades I mean, for 30 years we've prayed that prayer. We have banked so many prayers on behalf of our children that I know there is no way that God is going to allow anything to happen to my children. And they're going to remain faithful. In fact, there was a time when God was incredibly interested in whether my daughter got a part in the school play or if my boys made the basketball team. There was a time when God paid very close attention to my boys' jump shot and their free throw percentage. He did. And he ignored all those prayers from all those other parents who were praying that their kid would make the team or their child would get a part in the play. 
And then one other thing, the God that I created, he doesn't really think that my sin is that big a deal. I mean, he's got a lot of things to deal with in the world. And my sin, it's not really that significant. And it's not really that big a deal. You do the same thing, right? You, you think the same thing about your sin. That's why we keep sinning, right? See, that's, that's how I want God to be. And again, when I hear messages, when I'm confronted with passages that don't line up exactly with what I want God to be, it bothers me. And I've got to make a decision about what I'm going to do with that new truth. How I'm going to handle that information. Because again, there's something I think in all of us that just says, nope, nope, don't want to hear that. I'm going to ignore that. Don't tell me that. Don't want to believe it. But here's the problem. We're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. With every distortion of God, there is a consequence. With every distortion that I have of God, with every distortion that you have of God, there is a corresponding consequence. Every time we are wrong, every time we refuse to accept the truth of God and God's Word, every time we make God into someone or something that we want Him to be, instead of who God really is, there are serious consequences. You know, if you believe, that, like a lot of people do, that every time something bad happens to you, it's a punishment from God, you will never learn to trust your Heavenly Father. If you believe that all I have to do to please God is just uh, perform some tasks, you know, check off some boxes, if I just um, pray before every meal, if I go to church fairly often, throw some money in the plate, if I'm a pretty good neighbor, well then, you know, me and God, we're going to be okay. All I have to do is do things right, or at least give the appearance of doing things right. If that's what you think it takes to please God, you will never experience a personal relationship with God. Or if you believe that I've got to have every question answered before I'm ready to, to really go all in. Now, I want every question answered. I've got eight of my questions answered, 12 more to go, and then count me in, God. As soon as all my I's are dotted and all my T's are crossed, as soon as I've got everything figured out, then I'm on board. If that's where you stand, you will never, never know the peace that comes from having a faith in God. And if somehow you've come to the conclusion that um, your sins don't really matter, if somehow you've come to the conclusion that, that you can go to heaven by ignoring God or by marginalizing Jesus, that your sins and your lifestyle doesn't really matter, not only are you going to be incredibly disappointed in this life, but you're going to be devastated in the next life when you realize that the God that you created for yourself wasn't the real God. And the truth that you created for yourself wasn't really true. With every distortion of God, there is a corresponding consequence. 
And as long as we live in the world of, I don't want to believe that's true. As long as we live in the world of, don't come at me with truth and facts, then we are always going to live with the consequences of approaching God like we want Him to be and not approaching the God who really is. Now, interesting thing about this, that is exactly the world that Jesus stepped into. Toward the end of His ministry, Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 7. Now that you have known Me, He said to them, you will know My Father also. And from now on you do know Him, and you have seen Him. Then a couple of verses later in verse 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus on several different occasions, in several different ways, tells his disciples, tells everybody who's listening to him, one of the reasons I have come is to explain God to you. One of the reasons that I'm here is so that you get a better, more perfect, truer image of who God is. There's people that were living in Jesus' time we actually have a lot of things in common with them. And one of the things that we have in common with, with people really all through time is there's a lot of confusion about who God is. So Jesus tells his followers, your Father in heaven so desperately wants a personal relationship with you that he sent me to tell you about him, to show you who he really is. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you listen to me, I'm speaking the words that the Father has given me. You can't know the Father without knowing me. And conversely, you can't know me without knowing the Father. And so Jesus walks into this environment where everyone believed if you are rich, it's because you've been good. But if you're poor, you've done something wrong. And he walks into an environment where everyone believes if you're sick, your parents have sinned somehow. And he walks into a world where, for the most part, the Jewish leaders were telling everyone that God was a racist, that God was going to bless and be with one particular nation exclusively, and that God didn't really care very much about everyone else. He walked into a day and age where people saw God as this complete mystery, where people saw God so removed, so, so distant, uh, so isolated, so mystical, that um, you dare not mention his name. And so because of that confusion, and because of that, um, that misunderstanding, Jesus shows up and he begins to teach. And he begins to uh, have conversations with people. And it didn't take very long before people started to realize, okay, there's something different about this guy. This guy, Jesus, he doesn't talk like other rabbis. He doesn't teach like other teachers of the law. I've never heard anything like this before. And people started to listen to Jesus, and people started to believe in that truth. And they started to understand, this guy... His teaching is powerful. His teaching is amazing. The very end of the Sermon on the Mount, that long sermon that Jesus sits and talks to people, you know, that, that, all that information that he shares, here's how Matthew uh, 
kind of wraps it up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. Jesus' teaching was amazing. It was powerful. It was with authority. But if you know what's in the Sermon on the Mount, you know his teaching also was a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, it was very convicting. It was radical, for sure. It was countercultural to whatever they've been taught. You know, you've heard it said this, I'm saying this. It was completely opposite to a lot of the things that they'd been taught. Now, it wasn't a comfortable teaching. And the reason was, of course, because Jesus wasn't teaching for the sake of information. He's teaching for the sake of transformation. He doesn't want them just to get smarter. He wants them to be better. He's teaching to their heart. Now, I want to share with you an aha moment. Uh, it's in John chapter 8, because Jesus is going to explain this a lot better than I can. We're going to look at a couple verses. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 8. One of these verses is really popular, really famous. People quote it all the time, usually misquote it. But, um, but it's a really powerful teaching. John chapter 8, uh, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Okay, Jesus is speaking to some Jews who had believed what he'd been teaching. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold. Now, if you've got your Bible open, you ought to circle that word hold. Maybe your translation says abide. If you hold, if you abide to my teaching, your Bible might say, If you abide in my word, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What Jesus is saying is if you hold to my teaching, if you abide, if you remain in, if you dwell in, Jesus is saying if you really grab on to my teaching, even if it's uncomfortable at times, even if it goes against what you might have always thought and always heard, even if it's a little unsettling, if you hold to my teaching, if you abide in my word, then you really are my disciples. Again, if you grab on to what I'm saying, if you hold on to it, just, just white-knuckle tight, you will experience an aha moment. And in the next verse, Jesus tells us what that aha moment is that they probably never expected. Verse 32, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then, after you've held to my teaching, after you have abided in my word, after you've come to the conclusion of, I can't know anything about God without knowing Jesus, and I can't know anything about Jesus without knowing God, after that, then you will know the truth. And that truth has the power, and that truth has the potential to set you free. It's not a magic prayer that you pray. It is abiding in. It is holding on to the teachings of Jesus. And if you're listening to me right now, you already know that. You understand, and I bet you believe what Jesus just said, and yet, again, there's something in us that causes us to push back on that a little bit. There was something in Jesus' original audience. He was talking to people who believed in him, but there was something in Jesus' original audience 
that caused them to push back a little bit as well. Jesus tells them, if you hold to my teaching, you're truly my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Notice how that audience responded to Jesus' statement. Verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? <laughs> Their response to Jesus is, What are you talking about? Are you talking to us? You can't be talking to us because we are Abraham's descendants. We have been enslaved by no one. How can you talk about being set free? We've always been free. We don't like this teaching, Jesus. <laughs> you can almost hear Jesus thinking, um, does the term Roman Empire mean anything to you? I mean, look around. Who's in charge? It's not you. You know, for the most part, you're kind of enslaved right now. No, 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 we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. Okay, do you remember in your history classes talking about a place called Egypt? Remember like 400 years there? You ever heard of a guy named Pharaoh? Moses? The Ten Plagues? The Red Sea? Is that sounding familiar? No, no, we don't like that teaching. You're not, you're, not, you're not making us feel good. No, we're, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How about 70 years of Babylonian captivity? I mean, come on, the, 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 the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, they've been lining up to tell you what to do. For the most part, you've been enslaved your entire history. No, no, Jesus, we don't like that teaching. We don't want to hear that truth. You're, you're, you're saying things that, that, that we don't want to think about. And we don't want to dwell on that. And of course, we think, how could they be so blind? How could they be so stubborn? How could they be so oblivious to the facts? And how could they turn a blind eye to the truth? They were doing the same thing that I do. They're doing the same thing that, that you do. Because there are some things we just really don't want to know. There are truths that I really don't want to face. Because when I'm forced to face them, when I'm forced to deal with it, it might not line up with the way I've been living my life. And it's just easier to ignore it. It's just easier to say, no, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't like that teaching. You know, maybe we don't argue that it's true. Granted, it probably is true. But if I don't think about it, I won't have to deal with it. There's just something in us that when confronted with something that, that we pushed back against, there's just something in us that makes us say, yeah, but, yeah, but, okay, I hear what you're saying, I've read that scripture, but... And we start looking for a loophole. And we start searching for some workaround. And we start rationalizing why we're living our lives, the way we're living our lives, when we've been confronted with the truth that says we need to change the way we're living our lives. We need to change some things we've been thinking. 
Maybe we need to change some things we've been teaching. Because here's the truth, and the truth, if you hold to my teaching, the truth is going to set you free. Yeah, but... Listen, as we go through this series, for the next couple weeks, we're going to look in on some people having some aha moments with Jesus. And my prayer is that we will pause, that we will just stop long enough to take hold of, to, to dwell in, to abide in the teaching of Jesus that we will uh, hold on to the truth of Jesus. Not my truth. Not your truth. Not your grandparents' truth. Not the elders' truth. Not the preacher's truth. Jesus' truth. And we will begin to appreciate and understand and believe that the truth will set us free. Let's pray. Father, we are so guilty of holding on to our definition of truth, and we're guilty of trying to create you in our image to make you who we want you to be. Father, may you grant us the courage to allow you to be exactly who you are. So, Father, would you humble us? Would you help us to abide in your teaching and allow you to reveal to us who you are? And as we come to live in your truth, would you allow that truth to set us free? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Our uh, singers have one last song that we're going to sing along with them. Thanks again for being with us this morning. And uh, I'll turn it over to Dave and the group. Somebody's calling my name, and somebody's calling my name, and somebody's calling, and somebody's calling, somebody's calling my name. Come on now, get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church, get right, church. Get right, church, and let's go home. Well, I'm going home on the morning train. I'm going home on the morning train. I'm going home. You know that I'm going home. You know that I'm going home on the morning train. Because that evening train might be too late. That evening train might be too late.
get right church and let's go home get right church and let's go home get right church come on and get right church come on and get right church and let's go now sing it like you really do mean it get right church and let's go home get right church and let's go home